Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. It's a joy to uh, bring the Word of God to you again this morning. Again, some of you that haven't had a chance to uh, meet my family yet, my name's Dave, and uh, this is my wife, Brittany, and uh, our little girl, Nora, on the front row here, and we have just been so blessed uh, to be part of the family of God and part of the family of NAPNAS. Thank you all so much again for just being such a welcoming, Christ-like body and people to us and to our family We continue in Colossians chapter 3 today, so if you have your Bibles, your phones, or your tablets, or you're using the Bible app, uh, we just encourage you to get those out. We'll get uh, to the text in 3 this morning in just a bit. I was reminded I I got to go to Babstock last night. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, I just had uh, just such a wonderful time. I was kind of hoping maybe uh, they would start off the service with Beat It this morning, but you know, these were better. These were better. Collective worship songs this morning. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I didn't get to hear any Bon Jovi, This Is My Life, right? And that would have fit the sermon text this morning, because it's my life, it's now or never. You know, you know, some of you remember that song? And that's true in our culture, isn't it? Like, it's my life, it's all around me, and what makes me feel good and happy, and how we live, and that's kind of the culture that we live in. And the biblical culture in Christ is going to go counter to that, and it's what we're going to see today. I remember in college, I had uh, a few friends that were pre-med students, and those of you that are in the uh, medical field, bless you. Uh, That was not something I had the brains nor the uh, tenacity to go through, Uh, but I remember one of them, his name was Ben, and and I always enjoyed hanging out with Ben, but about our sophomore year, I got to hang out with him less and less because it seemed like he was always in the library. He was always reading, always in books, always studying, like, Ben, you just got, man, you got to live a little, right? And, And he's like, Dooley, this is my life. Man, that's kind of a stinky life, right? Like, I, I didn't want that. But, but life is something we can get wrapped up in. Maybe it's education for seasons, or maybe for some of you, it's work. Maybe for some of you, it's hobbies, especially for some of us, sports, right? That's a whole nother sermon. Just don't get me started on sports being our life. Maybe it's tasks. For those of you parents out there, I see you. Maybe it's your kids, right? For those of you in relationships, maybe it's who you're in a relationship with or your spouse. It's it's real easy to get wrapped up in such a way where all of our affections, time, and energy get consumed by some of the things around us. Over my life, I, I have enjoyed music, and I love to play guitar, but maybe even more than playing guitar, uh, I truly love gear, like, I might love gear more than music itself, guitars and pedals and, and always pursuing the next great thing. Thank you, Andy. And, like, it's never enough. I can tell you, there's always something new that I'm like, I got to have that. And if I'm not careful, I can wrap my energies and my life around those things. 
And there can be this temptation to get wrapped up in such a way to where even really good things can lead us into a hope that was never promised, that only leads to destruction. And by destruction, can I say this? None of those other things promise to save you. None of them. In fact, Solomon in Scripture says it this way over and over again. Like, if you're really depressed, don't read the book of Ecclesiastes. It leads you to just a dark hole, all right? Because the theme of that book is life is meaningless or it's all vanity. So Solomon says, I've pursued all and I've pursued nothing and I find that on its own it's all meaningless. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 19. Some of you know this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. But the reality for us this morning is it's just real easy to get wrapped up in the things of life. Perhaps this is true to me, this is kind of Dave Dooley theology, is that I believe we're very driven by our senses. Now there's five of those that are basic, and depending on who you listen to, there can be uh, you know, 21 or more senses, they're saying now. But there's five of these basic senses that I think we all know, right? What we can see, what we can hear, what we can taste, what we can smell, and what we can feel. We're driven by those senses in life. There's a story in the Gospels about Jesus and his disciples, and, and he was out to sea with them, and, and he could see, or they could see, I should say, Jesus was sleeping, but they could see a storm that started rolling in. And you know what that's like. The clouds get dark, and you start to see the rain pushing, and, and maybe you can see the lightning in the distance, and you can hear the thunder roll, not the Garth Brooks song, like legit thunder rolling, all right? And they could feel the wind begin to blow against them, and before they knew it that storm was on them and they could hear it and they could see it and they could feel the rain hitting them and they were bailing out the boat and they began to be very fearful for their lives because all of their senses said we're going to die everything around them led to believe this was the end and they were wrapped up in that view of life in that moment weren't they meanwhile Jesus was wrapped up in what I like to think a very cozy blanket in the stern, sleeping. And in Mark 4, 39, they wake him and it says, he got up and he came out and he rebuked the winds and said to the waves, remember, quiet, be still. And what happens? The winds and the waves died down and it was completely now think about this for a moment. That which they once saw that they were wrapped up in that was going to lead to their certain death. Now in one moment they saw this same storm cease. They heard the wind and the thunder dissipate. The salt water that they had to be tasting was now not coming in anymore. They felt the storm completely go away and went from we're all going to die to we're gonna live. We're gonna live. Can you imagine in that moment where you think all is over? 
And then Jesus calms that. Like, I'm jumping up and down. I'm giving Jesus and the rest of my disciples high fives. Like, this is life. Can you believe it? And they began to see what it's like to trust Jesus. Later, these same disciples were out, at, uh, out on the water again. And this time, though, instead of seeing a storm, they, they saw something in the distance coming towards them. And, and it says they were terrified. And they looked out and went, it's a ghost. What's coming towards us? And just then, they heard a voice that was familiar to them say, take courage. It is I. And now Simon Peter, as he's there, says, Lord, if it's really you, would you command me to, to come out upon the water? And Jesus simply says, come. Now, I always love the faith of Simon. Like, I'm the guy in the boat that's going, no, you try it, man. We'll, we'll just see what happens here. But he leaps, he jumps, and he begins to walk on that water towards Jesus until what? He sees, he starts to hear, he starts to feel. All these five senses start taking over, and he becomes afraid. And he begins to sink. You know, doesn't life love to get our focus on life? on the things that we can sense that are happening around us. And it's real easy to get wrapped up in life in such a way that we take our eyes off of Jesus, who is the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, right? And, and it's real easy to get our eyes off of him and forget to forget that we have been buried with Christ and we have been risen to life. We've sang it, that we are made alive in him. My wife, Brittany, says we often as people prefer to live, unfortunately, in Good Friday rather than Resurrection Sunday. And now today in Colossians 3, we have this shift in perspective that's going to be important for us to, to understand, to know, and to believe with all our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength because it's a shift from what we have been saved from to now what we have been saved for. Praise God. We haven't just been saved from a life of sin just to be saved, but we've been saved for something. It should be exciting for us today. It's a shift from being wrapped up, or the text we see today says hidden in, wrapped up or hidden in the world, to being wrapped up and hidden in Jesus. My daughter, Nora, has my mom and my sister completely wrapped around her little finger. Right? Like, some of y'all grandparents here, you know what I'm talking about, and you parents that get the kids back, you're like, what did you do? I walked into the house one day and Nora's got like yellow eyeliner and blue and red and I thought, what did you do? And she's like, well, she wanted to put makeup on. And I said, not with permanent marker. <laughs> but the reality is this, uh, when it's a, she calls them Nana and Titi, when it's a Nana and Titi day, Nora gets to do what Nora wants to do. Like, like it just kind of, Nora rules. She has them 
wrapped around her little finger, right? And this reality of being hidden in Jesus in our text today, or wrapped up, means that we are wrapped up in his purposes, that we are wrapped up in the mind of Christ, that we are wrapped up in the life of Christ, so much so where I believe his desire for us is to say, I've got you wrapped around my little finger. So that when I say go, you go. When I say move, you move. When I say speak, you speak. We are hidden. We are wrapped up in him. We are no longer hidden in ourselves, but in Christ alone. It's the beauty of baptism, isn't it? This powerful symbol of the grace of God that he has given to us of what we have been saved from and also proclaiming what we have been saved for. That the old man has gone and that we've put to death sin and shame for a life in Jesus and the new has come that we're no longer defined by who we used to be or what we used to be wrapped up in. But we are defined by him. In church tradition, this is so much true that that often they would omit the last name of the person in baptism. So when they would put you under, they would say, in the name of Jesus, I baptize you. And they would give your first name and middle name and omit the last because they believe that now your name is in Christ alone. We're no longer defined even by our family names, but in Jesus alone. Next week. We, as the family of God, get to share in that together. Baptism. The grace of God proclaimed in us to others. If you haven't been baptized, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he has saved you from a life of sin for his purposes, then would you please jump online. There's a form you can fill out. Or after service today, if you don't want to do the online stuff, if you just out in our main office here, Pastor Ben is going to be back there. Please just go see him. Because we want to celebrate not just what you're doing, but what God has done for you and in you that we then make a proclamation both to him and others, right? I am saved from and for your purpose in Christ alone. Saved from and for. And that leads us then today to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. In this text today, I believe that when we're wrapped up in Jesus, his purpose then becomes our purpose. His purpose becomes ours. The translation today uses the word heart. And often in our culture today, heart implies emotions or feelings, doesn't it? Kind of separate from the mind. And for the Greeks of the time of this text, uh, the heart and the mind were kind of directly connected a bit. 
But as I begin to, to just study this text today, the word heart, cardio, was not the word that was used in this, but rather the word used was a word for seeking. Now, now here's why this is important to us today, and I, and I just want you to understand why we use the word heart and what is meant by this. The same word used in Colossians 3 verse 1, all right, that piece that says set your heart on these things above is the same word used in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11 verse 18. Totally different context. Are you ready for it? The chief priest and the teachers of the law heard about Jesus. They heard this. And then here's the same word that was used. And began looking for a way. They began looking for a way. Some say seeking or searching for a way to do what? Kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. This one word conveys this message. Their life's mission and purpose was to tear him down, to strip him of everything, and to lead him to death, even death on a cross. And they wouldn't stop until that was complete. So when we see this word seeking or word heart, that is what is being implied here. That purpose, that intent, that we will not stop until it's been fulfilled. Jesus had a similar purpose, right? Paul tells about it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus gave his entire life, his mission, and his purpose that he would die so that humanity could be forgiven and set free in him. It goes on and says, therefore then God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And when our text talks about being seated at the right hand of God, this is what was intended it's not to say Jesus was God's right hand man in the sense of our culture today, like some sort of subservient helper. To be someone's right hand person in that culture meant that that person had all of the authority, all of the dignity, all of the honor of the one that gave it to him. And then in this, it means that his enemies then become his footstool. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, given all equality with him, and all his enemies would become his footstool. You see, then our purpose in this life, then, is wrapped up in him. For Paul, it meant this, if you're familiar with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. For Paul, this meant being wrapped up in Christ where he would say, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to do what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and your proper worship. You see, his purpose and our purpose then are connected, and it's connected to his lordship. That is to say that we then are in full surrender to Christ, that we are fully wrapped up in him, and our main focus in life is to carry out his purpose, not yours. 
remember my call to ministry. I, I grew up in a pastor's home. I was a PK. Uh, my father pastored Paulding Church of the Nazarene from 1990 to 1992. 1992, uh, cancer took my father. And I made a decision somewhere around then that I didn't want anything with that side of ministry. And I pursued a lot of things. Pursued a lot of things I thought would make me happy and make me as much money as I could. I had purpose. And I remember sitting in my apartment at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, skipping chapel. <laughs> the irony of this. Sat at my desk, was working on homework and was listening to the service on WNZR, home of the Cougars. Dr. Gary Sivright was speaking. I don't know what he was talking about, couldn't hear him, all I could hear was the voice of the Lord. It was more clear than words. It was everything within my being in that moment of surrender to say, you are Lord, and because you're Lord, I'll do whatever you want. And in that very moment, I knew that I knew that I knew that he was calling me into a form of vocational ministry. I went at the end of my sophomore year to the registrar's office. I changed my major, and they said, Dave, there's no way you're going to get this done in four years. And my response was, I don't care. I have to do this. That's when Mount Vernon was only $15,000 a year, and that was a lot. <laughs> My purpose, when I surrendered, it became his in obedience to him as Lord. Can I ask you very directly today, what is your purpose wrapped up in? Is it yours? Is it someone else's? Or is it his? So then, when we give him our purpose, again, there's this connectedness for the Greek between mind and, and purpose. We then proclaim his mind becomes our mind. For his way of thinking or his attitude becomes ours. So if Romans 12, 1 is to purpose, if you go one verse further in Romans 12, 2, we will find it is of mind. For he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, those fleeting shadows, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your, help me, mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, it's a, it's a change of thinking. It's a mental shift from the things of this world that seem to matter so much to a life in Christ. Now maybe some of you all are way better than I am, but I find this quite challenging some days. It's difficult to change my mind. I know my heart, I know my purposes, but sometimes my mind is a little more stubborn. Can I say that? Reminded me in high school, I had a friend uh, that played football, my mom wouldn't sign the permission slip. Evidently, I was too skinny and didn't have the physique of a football player. That's why I don't have broken bones today. But uh, his name was, uh, we're just good. he was playing. And uh, I remember 
he was running the ball, and he put his arm down to keep himself from falling. And as he put his arm down, a defender fell across his forearm and broke his arm. It's really gross, right? I'll bear you the imagery. Just grossest thing imaginable. All right, just think about that. He went to the emergency room. They said it. They had to have surgery. They put uh, a plate in his arm and several screws uh, to make that strong. His body healed and everything was fine and he pursued the game, began to put in the work and put in all the effort and all of the heart, but guess what he couldn't change? This. Everything here, they told him, was stronger than it ever could have been on its own, but in his mind, it just kept replaying that break and that I can't do this. And I want to tell you something, he never stepped foot on the football field the same way again. It's easy, isn't it, sometimes to have a a pure heart and purpose, but if our mind is still hidden in the former things of this world, you will struggle to live in the freedom of Jesus. If all we're doing is thinking about the way things were or the things that lead to death, the things that lead to destruction, we will struggle even if we're right in heart and purpose. We need to allow him to transform and renew our mind to set our mind on him, to fix our position on him, to think of him, to think in him, and to think for him. And it's not just this idea then of heaven, but it's the reality of heaven in us through Jesus. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, like you can exhaust the list here. He's giving us permission, right? Anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, what should we do? Think. It's this new life, this new orientation that is set and focused on Jesus and being hidden in him or wrapped up in him rather than the things of this world. So our purposes, our mind, our very life becomes the life of Christ. It's where we started in Colossians 3 verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden. Your life is now not hidden or wrapped up in the things of this world, but your life is now hidden. It is wrapped up in that of Jesus Christ. Our life becomes his life because Jesus has us wrapped around his little finger. And then he says, what is hidden is what will be revealed. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. One of the valuable lessons I've learned in marriage is that I can't read my wife's thoughts. And neither can she read mine. <laughs> Be thankful, that's probably true. I can guarantee if, uh, if I think I should go left, she's thinking I should have gone right. But we can't see people's thoughts, can we? We can't always see people's hearts. We can't see the desires and the passions and their pursuits and affections. People can't read minds. People can't see faith or lack thereof. But what do people see? They will see your pursuits and your passions, won't they? 
They will see you live those out. They will see your thoughts as you have conversations and how you speak and how you treat others. They will see your faith or your lack thereof of how you live in this life, in the here and now. And praise God, those of us that are in Christ have been saved from a life of destruction for a life of purpose so that when he appears, we know that we are rooted, that we are wrapped up in him, our past, our present, and our future hope of heaven forever and forever. And over these next several weeks, Justin and Ben are going to talk about some of the evidences of that, some of the things that we will be asked to put away and some of the things or the clothing that we will be asked to put on. But it begins right here, right now, today, and that is the reality. Are you wrapped up in Jesus or are you more wrapped up in the things of this world? I can't answer that for you. I can tell you my natural inclination at times is to get wrapped up in the things that my senses are telling me and to forget that Jesus is greater, that his purposes are better than mine, his dreams are bigger than mine, his life is better than mine, his desires for my wife and for my daughter are better than mine, his desires for this church are bigger than we could ever dream possible. Father, forgive us when it becomes about our purposes, as great as they may be, when we're tempted to forget about being wrapped up and being hidden in Christ alone. I have a motto I live by. You'll hear it often around here, and that is that I just want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. It lets me know I haven't arrived fully, and it tells me that I continually grow in him and in his purposes in his life. And this morning as Sarah leads us, I wonder if maybe some of y'alls, can I say that? I'm I'm in, oh yeah, y'alls. I've just gotten wrapped up in some of the things in life that never promised you life. Please hear me, I love family. But if my family becomes my life, that's not fair to them, nor is it fair to me and the glorious riches of Jesus. If church becomes your life, it's not fair to this church. If your spouse becomes your life, it's not fair to them. They will not give you life. If it's your work and what you possess, I promise you it will end in a moment. Whatever it may be where you are tempted to put or wrap your life into this morning, perhaps the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, 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 some of those really great things. (laughs) But why don't you let me help? Change your mind, your attitudes, and your affections to be more like Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, the only one in this life that will give you life both here, now, and forevermore. And perhaps some of us, myself included, need to come to a place of forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me where I've made it about me. Forgive me where I've made it about my purposes. Forgive me where I've made it about other things around me. And would you set my gaze anew today that I might be wrapped up, fully hidden in Christ alone, that when other people see me, they don't see what I do or who I am, but they just see Jesus. And that would be what's revealed. I invite you to stand with me today. I sang this song as a kid. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
We sang it as part of our call to worship today. And might we sing it again as a moment of decision and conviction for us. Can we do that together? Say, Lord, would you forgive me? I, I've really just been wrapped up in so many things apart from you. Forgive me. And would you trust today? He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And today is a point where we're able to put a pen and say, from here forward, <laughs> Lord, help me to be renewed in my purpose towards you, in my mind, in my thoughts towards you, in my life, in you. To look full upon you, that the things of this world would do what? of his glory in the light of Jesus would you join me in singing and I, I just invite you to respond to him where you're at and trust him that we would be wrapped up in Jesus together today for his glory for his purposes let's sing that out together one more time. Turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Can you see him, church? Father, how good it is to be loved by you. That we can be hidden in Christ. And Lord, that is good news to us. For the Father sees Jesus in all of his glory and perfection that saves us from our past. And yet, Lord, that in the here and now sets our gaze on you. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, we do not leave in our own strength, but we leave in the strength and power of your spirit, that which enables us to have or be clothed with the purposes and the mind and the life of Jesus, that we leave wrapped up in you today, Lord, and that we would set a new course, Father, for your purposes, for your mind, and for your life. Lord, we love you. We thank you, and now we go in the wonderful name of Jesus, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, for God is good, and all the time, God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.